The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett. Joining me today are certified financial planners, Spencer Hager and Cole Hammock. Hey, guys. How's hey. it going today? Thanks We're back you. together, the dynamic trio. I know. It's going to be a good one. People have been talking. No, guys are good. looking, you know, pretty professional today, too. Likewise. I like the, uh, I like the attention to detail here for our potential video later. Not, nothing but the finest. Yeah. Always. Awesome. 100% of the time. Bring our best. Yeah. So today we're going to be diving into a conversation that is all about making sure you've got what built, you've got built what is built to last. Ooh, um, I like that. And whether you're just starting out or well into your groove, uh, we're going to have some insights today to help you kind of shape a legacy that endures lots of things, uh, physical, emotional, financial. Today's topic is estate planning mastery, sec- securing your legacy for generations. For those of us who've been on the front lines of a loved one who's passed without an estate plan, and I can kind of raise my hand on that one. Yep, right there with you. This can be an absolute nightmare if you don't mm-hmm. create a plan, if you don't talk to your loved ones. And so we're going to kind of um, talk you through it and give you some guidance, give you some tips to think about. Um, I can start that conversation. I'm sure. willing to share that. Um, <clears throat> I had a relative um, <clears throat> pass away and everything was... Uh, tied up properly and we were ready to move forward and then I received a notification from uh, the company that he worked for that there was an annuity buried in a pension plan that we did not know about and it was worth like seven grand and it threw the entire estate into probate for two years tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees uh, so that was, uh, it, it turned out that it was beneficiaried over to his ex-wife, yeah. who happened to be deceased when I received the notification. So it was multi-layers of stress and chaos and frustration, and uh, I, can't, I can't tell you enough how important this conversation is. If you take anything away, um, it is to get organized and pay attention to your beneficiaries. So we're going to get into that, but let's start with uh, strategic wealth transferring, ensuring kind of a seamless transition. Um, and I want to kind of, I think I want to start with trusts and we're sure. not attorneys, you know, I don't want to get too far into the conversation that we, you know, we go off off path, but what role can a trust play in this kind of uh, wealth transfer? Yeah, I, I can lead off on this one. So trusts, honestly, they, they should be used for two specific purposes. Uh, so the first one primarily is control. So if you're wanting to leave uh, control beyond the grave, essentially. So if you're leaving uh, maybe children behind, uh, whether adult, maybe we don't trust them receiving the entirety of the inheritance or young minor children, the idea is once they're 18, 
they're going to have access to all of that money if you don't plan properly. And that can be a pretty big risk for anyone that's listening. So with the, the trust, you can create that control to say, okay, well, these are specific ages or specific requirements for them to actually receive that inheritance. So you're protecting them from themselves. And the, the other piece to it is probate avoidance. So probate, yep. Uh, it's timely, it's costly, it's public, and it's one of the biggest pains you can deal with at an estate level. So to be able to avoid that, absolute godsend from an estate planning standpoint. So I'll, I'll share my story. Uh, so my dad, he passed without an estate plan. So there's no will, no beneficiaries, anything. And he might have had an estate of $5,000 might be generous. And <laughs> It took me from, he passed August of 2019 until April of 2020, and the start of COVID didn't do us any favors, but that's eight months for those who are counting to get things resolved for five grand. So it's, it's a pain to deal with. So a, a trust is a great way to help avoid that. And there are other ways too, I know we'll get into that, but uh, it's, it's an option. Trust, uh, there are two kinds of trusts, right, Spencer? Uh, at a basic level, yeah. Is one preferred over the other? Can we talk about what those are? What Let's talk about what they're called and, and what each is used for. Yeah, I guess an, e- an easier thing to start with is just when you think about do you need to trust, a big part of it comes down to complexity. Like usually the most common question I hear with trust is just, well, can I just name the people I want the money to go to as a beneficiary and I don't need to trust? Possibly, like to Cole's mm-hmm. point, if you have young children, if you have grandchildren at this point and you have several different people you're trying to leave money to and want to tie it up until certain ages, that's where a trust may be the move. What most people think, not what they probably think of, they definitely are thinking of most commonly is a revocable trust, which just means you're establishing it today. You're putting provisions in place on how you want your estate to be handled. Ideally, it avoids probate. But if something changes in six months from now, five years from now, you can go back in amend the trust. You can completely write a new trust and void out the old one. So it's a lot more flexibility. What's less common, but still happens. And for many different reasons why you would want it, it's an irrevocable trust, just like it sounds. You get it in place. There are several benefits that can come with it. One of the downsides, it's irrevocable. So once it's in place, it's there, you can't control or amend it. So that's, that's the second one. At a basic level, there are more than just those two trusts, but those are what most people think of. Who governs an irrevocable trust? The Is trustee. It? Yep. So okay. whoever's whoever's designated as the trustee so has that authority. An, that could be an attorney or a funeral home or a an child, individual. A sibling. Yeah. yeah. Anyone but yourself is yep. the idea. So with the irrevocable trust, you are giving up control of those assets. Mm-hmm. So you're listing someone who's separate from yourself. Otherwise, it gets kind of muddy with how that irrevocable trust can be treated or uh, excluded from some of the benefits that it would serve otherwise. Okay. I want to talk about uh, what time to start transferring wealth. You hear conversations about uh, people putting their names on their parents' accounts now, um, you know, before things are set forth, <clears throat> health issues or whatever. <clears throat> Is there a good time to, to start doing this or a bad time to start doing it? Is there, you know, holes in that theory? Yeah, so I, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a perfect time, and it really depends on the, the asset. Like cash, if we're transferring cash, that, that being the wealth piece, that one's a little bit easier of a conversation. 
right? Because there's limitations in terms of how much you can give individuals. And I know, Tracy, you don't like your numbers. We don't have to share nope. numbers. No but numbers. Um, Throw one out there. Throw one out there. <laughs> but, maybe, but maybe it's $18,000 per person <clears throat> per year kind of thing. Like once you go over that, then you have to file a form. That no one's paying taxes. It's not the end of the world until you've gifted $13 million lifetime, wow. which is a, a sizable amount. Most people aren't going to have to worry about that. So cash is simple. When it gets to transferring other assets, it does create a lot of complexity, whether that's adding someone to the home, uh, like a child to the home, that could be a liability issue. Even adding a child to a bank account can be a liability issue if something were to come up. Can you give me a couple of examples? Uh, in terms of liability issues? I mm-hmm. uh, will pick the home. That, that one's probably an easier one. So if someone were to be hurt on your property, Right, uh, it's, it's ridiculous stuff too. Like people can sue for pretty much anything. So they're trespassing on your property, or God forbid, they're just walking on the sidewalk and slip on ice. They can sue you because you didn't get out there and salt it, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. So if you're tied to that home by deed, they may be looking at you despite you not actually living there. Yeah, <laughs> but usually that's one of those quick things. Like, hey, yeah, just put me on the home. I help manage things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that can be an issue. Um, and then it, it complicates things at the passing as well. Uh, so there's a benefit called a step-up in basis where essentially the uh, purchase price of that asset increases to the market value, uh, is, which essentially to say if the beneficiary then were to sell the asset, they don't have to pay any taxes after they pass. But if they're included as an owner, that can kind of negate some of that step-up issue, which would create a tax problem mm-hmm. uh, at, at death as well. So it it, it really comes down to the asset. I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all and different plans may have different reasons or strategies. I know there, there have been, there have been this, I know of people who have put their uh, kid's name on their home to sort of escape the Medicaid process, and we're not Medicaid aficionados, but um, let's talk about the look back a little bit and, and talk about why that's a slippery slope. Well, first, let's start with the net worth threat. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's what I was going to say. I think those are the two kind of practical reasons. You start gifting one, you start gifting mm-hmm. cash while you're living, probably just because you want your heirs or whoever's inheriting See your funds get it while they're living. The Medicaid piece, again, you should sit down with an elder care attorney to discuss yes. it, absolutely. But pretty much in a nutshell, it's a five-year look back for the most part. So if you start to get money out of your name, whether it's into a tru- an irrevocable trust, you're titling it in the name of a family member, you name it. If then five years, five and a half years later after you started to move those assets out of your name. If a long-term care event comes up, you're eligible for it. So it's nursing home care, in-home assisted living, whatever it is, then you may qualify for Medicaid and they'll cover a lot of those expenses. What facility you end up in as a result of that will also go with Medicaid, but that's why people do it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to deplete all your assets. If you don't do that and you try and go on to Medicaid, that's where you pretty much have to have no wealth on paper. You have to have next to no income. If you do, that mm-hmm. needs to get depleted before you get those Medicaid benefits. Yeah. So th- that's an important piece, too, because it, it's not an option that's available for everybody. Mm-hmm. Th- those with big IRAs, big 401ks, you can't gift those, can't change ownership of those, or pension plans create an income at the or an, an issue at the income level as well, since that's another piece for Medicaid. So it's not for everybody. And exactly, Spencer, to your point, while you work with an elder care attorney, yeah, I feel like most people think about the home when they start yep. to put that into place because to Cole's point, that's a kind of illiquid asset up front so that people don't want to see that get taken down with the mm-hmm. long-term care costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so be careful. How do you do all this in tandem with maintaining your own financial security as you age and while you're still around? 
Well, I mean, just make sure that you're taken care of first, right? Anything that you do, you really shouldn't do at the, the jeopardy of your own plan. Obviously, there, there's going to be some things that come up. That's just life, right, where we, we try to take care of others at the detriment of ourselves. But uh, at the base level, you need to make sure that your plan's on track. You're okay. You have sufficient assets to make it through whatever we expect the end of our plan to be. No one knows for sure, but it's, it's the extras mm-hmm. then that can make the difference. Yeah, I think um, trust trust conversation aside, just when you think about it, usually I, in my experience, that becomes more of a conversation when you get close to retirement because then you have to start considering how do how are different assets taxed when people inherit them. So whether it's a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA, Tracy, go ahead. Yeah, we're going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get into Great that. Segue. I just I'll, got excited because I'm like, yeah, that's something we want to get. I'll we'll now get. start running the show. No, <laughs> All good. All right. So transitioning to legacy preservation. So crafting a lasting impact beyond wealth. I mean, besides finances, um, there are other elements to make a a legacy meaningful, right? It's not just about your finances. How do you make sure all the aspects are carried forward in the future? In other words, you know, I want to give to a charity and I want this to go, this account to go somewhere. Is there, is there sort of beyond the, the, the documents, the will, uh, another um, way that people can sort of document that for it to be valid. Yeah, I would say for things like charity, that probably should all still be buttoned up in the will or the trust to some extent. If you have specific charities you want to leave it to or you want to make sure that a certain amount of your estate goes to charities or one charity, that should be documented probably in the formal documents. I, I think what I think of when you we're saying what you said there, if there are specific like heirlooms, personal property, things that sometimes just get thrown into the boilerplate language of all my tangible and personal property, which is a lot of things. It's a slush fund. If you know for a fact you want one person to inherit you know, a piece of jewelry and then a collection you always had, that you could document still in a will. You can also just put it in a, some sort of addendum that goes on with the documents, just outlining exactly who you want to get what. And so for those who are just sort of starting the process of, of compiling documents and, and creating an estate plan, what exactly do they need? And I know this is a little bit of a backtrack, but we know we need a last will and testament, right? What other documents yeah. would you suggest? Yeah, so th- there's the big four that uh, I think base level everyone should have. So there's your, your last will and testament. That's essentially the who does what, who gets what, and if you have kids, who takes care of them. So that's the, the beneficiary, the executor, and the guardian. And then there's the financial power of attorney. That's essentially who can make financial decisions on my behalf. There are a few different kinds of those depending on when you want that to be active. Uh, and that would be listing your, your power of attorney, your agent. Uh, but generally, you're giving over a lot of control for that specific role. So you want to make sure that you really trust that person. There's a lot of risk there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third is the healthcare power of attorney. That's the who can make medical decisions on my behalf. And then the last one's the living will. And that's mm-hmm. essentially the pull the plug document or uh, do you want to withhold or withdraw life-sustaining treatment if in a permanently unconscious state. And then some states, they combine the last two into just the medical directives, but that's really the, the big four. Now, we have also a recommendation 
I think with with our clients that they have um, last will instructions. Uh, letter of last letter instructions. Of last so it's not a formal document. As, as you can tell, I don't have that in place yet. <laughs> Sorry. A- appreciate <laughs> your honesty. I'm going to get scolded here. Appreciate your honesty. <laughs> um, but that, that's not not a formal document. It's more of a uh, kind of Spencer to your point. The the everything else. What do you want to have happen after mm-hmm. something happens to you? And that includes maybe gifting some personal belongings. Mm-hmm. That's not included in the will. Just like the the, the knickknacks, the, the who gets what. I have a client who listed like who who gets my workout equipment kind of thing. Like you can be as tailored to it as you want to. And that's good. Um, but that, that's that's essentially the idea of that fifth one. It, so it just helps those you leave behind. Ditch the uh, masking tape on the bottom of things. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. You can do both. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't work. Yeah. Maybe people don't trust documents. Anyone could put that document together, but only Tracy is going to put masking tape on the bottom no, of this I'm not. I've seen that happen. It does not work. <laughs> All right, let's talk about taxes. We're going to talk about optimizing your taxes in estate planning, uh, strategies specifically for high net worth individuals. Um, how does the evolving tax landscape even impact estate planning? And I know it changes often, right? I mean, we're not tax attorneys, but CPAs, but um, are there, where do you start to be proactive? As a, as a high net worth individual to, to optimize your taxes. Yeah, you saying high net worth keeps making me want to go so, to a different spot. So there's what I was starting to say earlier, which I cut short to save at this point, <laughs> um, which is more if you want more of your you know estate, if you want more tax-free assets to flow to your genera- next generation, whoever it is who's inheriting the money, that's where you can get proactive. As you get close to retirement or in retirement, you can start to convert some of your pre-tax retirement accounts into post-tax retirement accounts. Like I said, a basic example of that is take money out of your pre-tax 401k or your traditional IRA, which is usually pre-tax, and convert that to a Roth IRA, right? Benefit is you're probably not going to see a whole heck of a lot of tax benefit in your lifetime for that. Review it with your accountant. But usually the benefit from a state planning perspective is whoever's inheriting that money doesn't inherit a huge tax bill if they're inheriting a really large pre-tax account. Because if it isn't a pre-tax account, they have to get that money out over a you know, 10 year period, it could be a big tax bill. So that's just kind of a proactive approach you can take. That's more of a personal preference thing. I brought that up to some people and they could care less because <laughs> they just know whoever's getting the money is getting the money. Yeah. Um, and then what you kept saying with the high net worth, that's making me think of state taxes. That fluctuates. The exemption right now is really high. It's a, I won't say the number, but it's really high. So you have to be really high net worth to deal with them. But for all you know, a tax law change could come into effect two years from now. It's a completely new mm-hmm. threshold. And that's where trust planning can come mm-hmm. back in. And that's what our uh, our company does. We manage, as a, you guys are generalists, you deal with the specialists like the CPAs and the, and the attorneys and the insurance agents to refine the details of people's financial planning and estate planning specifically. Um, does asset protection fall under that, that particular conversation or is that a whole other topic? Kind of, in a sense, I think with the estate tax side of things, mm-hmm. I think you could also tie that back to the whole Medicaid conversation mm-hmm. and long-term care planning. I think both of those would be asset protection. Let's talk about family dynamics. Uh, some people are dealing with multiple marriages, right? Sure. And uh, that makes things a little, yep, little bit complicated. So what can we tell people who are dealing with multiple marriages, and especially when it comes to preparing and protecting or even creating a legacy, you know, for both sides, um, you know, What's the first step to that? That seems like, I, I know you guys have dealt with that before. Yeah, exactly to the point that you let off with, right? Finding the, the ex-spouse that had passed. I mean, when you're getting divorced or when you're getting remarried or whatever it may be, you need to review everything. 
it, it's not enough just to kind of push it aside and someday I'll get to it. But those documents need to be updated. The, the ex-spouse, especially if maybe it wasn't a good divorce, don't always have amicable divorces, uh, probably not the person you want being your financial power of attorney anymore. Probably not the person you want being your primary beneficiary on your assets. I know, I know a situation where that happened. Uh, Somebody passed away, had a second marriage, through, went through the accounts, and there was a major uh, investment account still beneficiary to the first spouse. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> we've seen it. Yes, we can imagine. I don't even uh, know how you sort through that, but, uh, but that's that's the thing of it. Wow. If, if you're not paying attention, if you just get complacent, that's going to happen, and it's never going to have a positive result. Yeah. At the end of it, so right. you, you need to be aware of what you have going on, which I know can be difficult, especially if you job hop. Maybe you worked at a place for a year, you have some four hundred one k contributions, and you just move on to the next place. That's still there. Mm-hmm. That's still an account that can create a big headache in the future. Mm-hmm. So you need to keep track of all those moving pieces, make those updates as they're necessary, just to avoid headaches down the line. And I would assume have inclusive decision making to contribute to making things seamless and creating unity among family members, right? Yeah, and my mind goes to if you have different family members from previous marriages who are inheriting money, like to Cole's point about the transparency, that's huge. On top of that, and broken record, a good attorney will tell you this. I can say I've sat down with attorneys and I kind of throw out the path of least resistance. You know, can't we just do this? And that way it meets the trust and it's simple enough and everyone gets what they're entitled to. And the attorneys will throw out five extremely cynical situations. Well, if this spouse passes and then the current spouse and, you know, then takes over, they could do the X, Y, and Z to the trust, and then you know, that could hurt the deceased spouse's children or something like that. So transparency, keep things updated, and definitely play out the cynical snares with the attorneys. Yeah, and I guess one disclaimer to add, too, on the uh, divorce decree, that's an important piece, too, because you can't just make sweeping uh, beneficiary designation changes for everything. Sometimes divorce decrees will require, like, life insurances, for example, maybe to still list the previous spouse if that's part of the agreement. Uh, so if something were to happen to you, that's kind of making them whole for whatever that agreement is. So you just need to be aware of that. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think yeah, about usually, that. Usually it's life insurance. You have to keep those in place, continue to pay for them, and leave those behind to the spouse. That would make sense happens. to me if there were children, but I guess, an, or uh, maybe a stay-at-home parent. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I never thought about yeah. that. So read the documents, and Spencer, you said it a few times, but work with an attorney. Yeah. Right? You don't want to do this alone. What do people do who have global assets? I mean, when you've got money all over the world in different uh, tools, you know, I know we're, you know, we're not attorneys, but, and I know we can't talk about the legal considerations, but, you know, kind of, can you, can you kind of share what kind of challenges or opportunities somebody might have if they're considering going that direction? Uh, I would say from the proactive standpoint, I get my mind thinking of land and things like that. And this is kind of hypothetical, but if you have land in you know South America or if you have land overseas um, in Asia, right, you could be dealing with countries that don't quite have the same up-to-date land records and record keeping on your property over there. And so, yeah, outside of just doing the best you can to deal with the, maybe the attorney can help with you, help you with that. Insurance agents, right? Maybe, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, if you're dealing with overseas property like that, you're kind of at the will of whatever the stipulations and rules are of that mm-hmm. that foreign asset and so again just doing your best on that front or 
you know, liquidating it, the older you get to bring that back over and simplify is an option. It's an option. Alternatively, I mean, just work with an attorney in that country, right? The Ohio-based attorney is probably not going to help you Good with idea. A, a bank account or land that you have in India mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So work with an attorney in that country because they're going to know all those rules. They're going to know all the regulations, what you can do, what's appropriate. Because some places it, it really is as simple as, well, this is what I would want to have happen. And then that's just respected mm-hmm. over there. And obviously the law here is very different. <laughs> if it's not written, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So you just have to be very careful. Talk to the, the experts and they're going to get you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Great. So taking the wheel with intentional financial planning, passing down wealth, preserving legacy, optimizing taxes, protecting assets, and weaving family harmony. It's more than numbers. It's sculpting your legacy. So if you'd like some help sorting through your financial plan and creating an estate plan, uh, give us a call. We're happy to sit down with you for a one-time, one-hour complimentary consultation. Go through to see where you might have areas where you can do things better uh, and shed light on areas where definitely need be, things need to be put in place. Join us next time for more on financial planning and crafting your own road to success. And we appreciate your time. We are managing to be wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.